Dear Father, thank you so much for this morning when we can gather as your body, as your people, when we can open up your word and hear your words written for us so that we can know you, that we can have a relationship with you, that we can see how you have saved us through your son and we can see how you bring us to you. So Lord, this morning as we open up the Gospel of John, I pray that you can bring it to life in our minds and our hearts, that you can grow us as your people so that we can serve you and love you all of our days. For all these things in Jesus' name, amen. It was a sensation that was sweeping the nation in the early 2000s. It was everywhere. It seemed like a week wouldn't go when you wouldn't see a new viral video showing it. It was really cool because it captured people's attentions when it seemed like all these different people were walking this way or that way. All of a sudden they would stop and perform something unified together, usually a dance. It's flash mobs. You guys remember flash mobs? People still do it today, but in the early 2000s, my goodness, it was everywhere. It grabs people's attention because in a busy city market, when you see people walking this way, that way, and this way, all of a sudden the people stopping and being unified and something grabbed people's attention. Because when people are unified, especially when we don't expect them to be unified, when people are working together when we don't expect to see that, that grabs people's attention. Because there's power in unity. Even something so small as a flash mob where people are dancing to some silly song grabs people's attention and they say, wow, that is unique and it's special and they kind of want it. And so when we come to John chapter 17, we don't see a flash mob, but we do see Jesus praying for his people and what does he pray for them? That they may be one. He prays for unity for his people. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to join. Uh, open up to John chapter 17. If you don't have your Bibles, do not worry. It's going to be on the screen. And we're going to read the whole chapter. It's not that long of a chapter. And we're going to see how the, this is a prayer of Jesus for his people. <clears throat> so John, starting in verse 1 of chapter 17, says this. When Jesus has spoken these words, talking about his discourse before, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may, be glorif may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested my name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in the truth that I, came, that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, 
that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am praying, coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in their truth. Your word <coughs> is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name. It will continue to make it known to them that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. When I look at this, this prayer of Jesus, the very first thing that we have to let sink in is this. Jesus prayed for you. Let that sink in. In his final hours, right before he was going to go to the garden, right before he was going to be arrested, he chooses to close out this discussion with his disciples by praying not only for them that were before him, but for every single person who would believe in him through their words. That's you and me. If we believe in Jesus, Jesus is right here praying for us. And we look at this and we see, yeah, there's a general statement that he says, I'm not only praying for these guys in front of me, but I'm praying for everyone who's going to believe in, in me through their words. And we think, oh, he's just generally praying for believers. And I think that kind of puts Jesus in a box we shouldn't put him in. For the Almighty God made flesh, the Son who's eternal, who shares his nature with God, who, why here on this planet, when he prays for all who would believe in him, I don't for a second think it's just limited to a general prayer for people who believe. But he was looking into the future and throughout time, and he was praying for you. He was praying for me. And when we read this scripture, you cannot help but see again and again how precise and targeted Jesus was praying. He would say things like, the people you gave me, those who I'm praying for, God, 
Those who are yours, they are mine, and I have guarded them, and not one will fall away except for Judas, the son of destruction, because that is how I'm glorified through the cross. And so he prayed for us. Before we dive into the text of what he actually prays, I cannot but help fall to my knees trembling at this magnificent thought. Jesus prayed for me that he chose and with some of his last few hours to lift his voice to heaven and said, Father, look at my people. I pray for them. I care for them. If you're ever feeling unloved, if you're ever feeling confused, if you're ever feeling like you don't know what's going on in this world, remember that Jesus prayed for you. And he loves you and he cares for you. And we know he still prays for us in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He prays for us. But when you look at what Jesus prays, we see a foundational movement in his prayer. And that is that he's praying for his people to be unified. To be one as he is one with the Father. That they have that, they share in that unity that comes from him, his relationship with the Father. And so we can say that Jesus is not only praying for this reality, but he is the one who grants this reality to us. And I just sum it up like with this cute little phrase, if I do say this to myself, that Jesus gives unity to his community. Because he's not only praying for this reality, he is the one that brings it about. He is the one that makes it a reality. He is the one that unifies people from all different kind of diverse backgrounds into one body. Jesus gives unity to his community. And he's praying that we live out this unity. He cares about it. He wants us to be one as he and the Father are one. And so when you think about this unity that he's praying for us, we see that first and foremost, this unity comes from God. Again and again, he says this phrase, that the Father and him are one. He, in verse 11 and 22, he says, we are one as he's praying to the Father. In verse 21, he says, you, Father, are in me, and I in you. And so we get this intense unity that he's describing. And this is the unity that we describe the Trinity with, the Godhead. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, three and one, sharing an essence. That they have the one will, one mission, one purpose. And we, so they're unified in this way. Theologians have used a fancy word called perichoesis. Choresis. That is horrible. I need to work on that pronunciation. Perichoesis. Not like anyone could correct me, but. <clears throat> Which basically is just a word that means a mutual indwelling. It's, it's trying to think and describe this unity that they share with one another. It's a Greek word that really just means to dance around. And is that, that when people were talking about this unity of God, they really described it as a dance between the Godhead. That they were unified, in step with one another, working together, dancing together. Because dance unifies, doesn't it? The answer is yes, it does. I remember when I was a wee little lad, my mom 
because I was the most uh, shy of her children, thought that I might be less shy if she put me in cotillion classes. If you guys know what that is, it's where you work on etiquette. They teach you how to uh, eat a formal dinner, introduce yourself, and they teach you how to dance. And so one of the first lessons they did was the waltz. I learned how to simply do a nice, simple box waltz, if I remember my terminology correctly, right? And so I could dance. And what was amazing is that they that you could pair up after learning this dance with some girl that you don't know, and all of a sudden now you're unified as you're dancing together. That you're dancing together and you're not stepping on each other's feet because you're dancing with each other. That's the power of this unity of dance, right? And that's why they use it to describe the Trinity, is that they're dancing together, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not stepping on each other. It shows that they're one in purpose and will and essence dancing with each other, and this unity they grant to their people to be included in that. If you don't like the waltz, a little while later, a couple of years, we went on a cruise. My grandma took us on a cruise, and uh, I was maybe in upper elementary school. It was early 90s, uh, and so I went to the, uh, the, the dance club that was on this cruise ship, during the daytime when it's like under 18 hours. And some, and, uh, some you know, third cousin twice removed taught me the, the next big craze of dance that was going throughout the nation and the world. And it was amazing because I've never, I've never seen something like this that people could all on a dance floor be unified by doing the same moves. And it was so simple. You just kind of do something like this and all of a sudden you're unified as you are performing a fantastic dance. And then you turn. And it, I mean, it was amazing. Dance unifies us. I shared that illustration with Lane, and he said he's embarrassed for me, and he's hanging his head right now. But it unifies us, and so that's why they use this phrase that means dance around for the Trinity, that the Trinity God is dancing with himself, perfectly in step. Dancing as he creates, dancing as they create and knit together. And then we are invited into that unity. And to be invited in that unity means that we have to know the steps of the dance. So we see Jesus praying that the, his people know those steps. Step number one, as we see in verses two through four, is that we have a step of belief, that we're unified by belief in who Jesus is. We see, as he describes it, how he has come. He was sent by the Father so we know who Jesus is, that he accomplishes everything the Father has given him to accomplish. He does this work, and what is that work? That he saves us. That through his sinless life, living as we could not live, and then through his death, taking our punishment upon himself, he saves us, giving us his righteousness and taking our sin. And that we have a step of belief that when we believe this as he prays, that they can know who he is, that we're taking that first step in the dance of unity, that we believe in God, we believe in Jesus as he has revealed himself to be. That we're unified first and foremost on the gospel. That we believe this to be true. That there is a perfect God who created everything. 
that humanity went astray, rebelled, and because of that, we're broken. Our, our selves are broken. Our relationship with God is broken, and we're in need. And God answers that need by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to live for us and to die for us. And that demands a response from us. And that when we respond and say, I believe this to be true, we've taken that first step on the dance of unity. We're knitted together as a community because we believe these things to be true. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that he saves us. And so if you believe this, you've taken that first step on being unified together. But he doesn't stop there. He says there's other steps we take when to be unified. He says that we're unified by being sanctified. In verse 17, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. So how do we stay unified? We submit ourselves to the word of God. That we open up the word of God and it's our dance teacher. It's telling us what steps to take. It's telling us how to move. It's telling us, actually even giving us the beat on which we're dancing together. That we're unified together because we are all submitting to the word. And we're growing in the word. And as we grow in the word, we're growing in our unity. As we're growing in the word, we're growing in our, our sanctity. That means we're being made holy because we're becoming more and more like Christ. And we're becoming more and more like God wants us to be as we submit to the word, that we're sanctified by the word. That teaches us our steps, but it also gives us the beat on which we operate in this world, the step of unity, which is important because we're not taken, as he says, out of this world. We're still in this world, and this world marches to a different beat. This world is on its own trajectory that is not how we're supposed to be when we're with God and we're following God. And it can get confusing because we can be lured away by the beat of this world and we can start to get out of step with Christ because we're looking at the world and trying to follow it in Christ at the same time. And then we end up stepping on each other's toes and our unity is fractured. Why? Because we're not focusing back and submitting back to the word of Christ. And so it says, don't, don't be lured astray by these other things. Don't be, I pray that they're protected from the evil one and that they're still in this world and they can be sanctified in the truth that they focus on me, which means that we all need to be devoted to the word. He's praying for us that we dig into it, that we open it up and we let it saturate, saturate our lives that it dwells richly in us, that we let ourselves be changed by it that we don't just read it and walk away and go with our life, but we read it and we say, what does this mean for us? How does this change me when I reflect on what Christ has done for me? And we follow as he leads us through the words. And so we are unified by our belief and we're unified by being submitted to the word and being sanctified by the truth. And then we are unified by being in step on the same mission that we've been all given, given a mission by God. It's true. We have. In verse 18, we see this to be true when he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them 
into the world. That all of us, he's praying for his disciples, his men before him, but he's also praying for everyone who believed. And he says, I have sent these people into the world. And so we're unified by being in step on mission together. That we all have the same mission. And that is to make Christ known, to proclaim his glory, to make much of him. That's our mission. And how do we do that? Well, that depends on who you are. You might do that through loving people really well at your workplace or in your family or raising Christians in your home. However you do it, we're called to be unified in this mission to make much of Christ. We're called to be unified to proclaim his glory so that people can see him and know him and respond to him and be saved by him. That we're unified, again, not by just belief and not just by growing, but by being on mission together to share the truth of who Jesus is. So we can ask ourselves, am I unified in this dance of not just believing, but am I growing and submitting to the word, and then am I on mission so that people may know the truth of who Jesus is? And when we got those steps right and down, and we're working them out in our lives, we are unified as a community of Christ, dancing together through life. Because there's, and we do this, as Jesus says, because there's power in unity. There's power when the church is unified together. We see this in verse 21 and in verse 23 when he says, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. What's the power of unity? That people could look at the church and believe that Jesus is true. That's the power of unity. That when they look at a church and they see people from all sorts of demographics, when they see people from all sorts of backgrounds, when they see people who voted for different candidates, when they see people who have different kind of jobs, when they see people who have different opinions, and there's nothing that seems to unite them except for the fact that they know Jesus and that has changed them and has brought them together into this community, people see a power in that community. So much so that they might even just say, huh, maybe there's something to this Jesus guy. If he can bring college students and old fogies and people who are retired and people who are in the prime of trying to climb the corporate ladder, if he can bring Republicans and Democrats and undecided people together, they see a power in that unity. And they wonder, and they're drawn into it, and they say, maybe there's something true about who Jesus is, that he can unify people from all sorts of lives together for one purpose. This is a challenge to us. When we read this and, he's pr- and Jesus is praying for our unity, we have to say, shouldn't we be praying for that same thing? That shouldn't we be looking at our church family and we should be praying, God, please unify us together. Make us one body. Make our proclamation to the world that we are family, that we love each other well, that we serve each other well, that when someone walks in here, they see this family and they say, I want this. Even if I don't believe yet what you believe, I want this family. And they're drawn in and we have this unity that draws people in to the family of Christ. 
That's, our, that's my prayer for our church. That Lord, please let us be unified. Let us be one. Just as you are one with the Son, and the Son is one with you, and the Holy Spirit is one with both of you. This is an amazing thought. Let us be one together so that, so that some may believe that you are sent by God. And so give their life to you and be saved. There's power in our unity. And Jesus goes further and he says, unity points to this new, this new community that we're part of. And this new community is made new because now when we come into this community, we share and have what Christ has. That is a mind-blowing thought. That when we come into this community, we actually share with Christ what he has. That's what he says in verse um, 22. When he's talking and praying for his people, he says, the glory that you have given me, talking to God, God, the glory you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. That we share in the blessings of Christ. That we share in what Christ has. That whatever is Christ, he lavishes it upon us and says, it is yours now because you're part of my community. John Calvin puts it like this. He says, we are one with the Son of God, not because he conveys his substance to us. We don't become God. Not because of that, but because by the power of the Spirit, he imparts to us his life and all the blessings which, we, which he has received from the Father. We become one with Christ and we share in his blessings because he conveys to us everything the Father has given us. That's why the Bible calls believers co-heirs with Christ, that Christ is the heir of the, of the universe and he gives us his status, status with God. He gives us what is his. That we now we can call ourselves sons and daughters of the Most High. Why? Not because of anything we've done, but because Christ gives us that. Because that is who Christ is. And this new community that we are part of, this church community that believes in him, is, found, is unified by this, that we're changed little by little to become who Christ is. That he has given us everything of his and that when we're unified and we have what is his, we start looking to the future that awaits us. And the future that awaits us is being in heaven with Christ. Being in heaven with our almighty God. I love how he puts it in verse 24 when he says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, he's talking about us, he's praying about us, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus just prayed for us all who believe in him that we may one day be in heaven with him, seeing his glory. And when we see his glory, we are, found, we are fundamentally changed. Same author writes the same kind of thing in 1 John. Chapter 3, verse 2, when it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we will know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. 
talking about how we're changed when we see our Lord in heaven. When he comes again, we will be changed to be like him because he shares with us, and that's the future that awaits us, that we will be with God. And, our, and our, this community points to that. John Calvin, again, was talking about the people who were listening to Jesus pray this. And he says, at that time, they saw Christ's glory as someone shut up in a dark, dark room fills a feeble, sees a feeble and glimmering light through small cracks. It's caught glimpses of it. Small little cracks of, of Jesus' glory. Christ now wants them to go on to enjoy the full brightness of heaven. And that's what he's praying for us. In this life, as we see Christ's glory through the scriptures, as we see Christ's glory through how he works in this community, we see but just small, feeble, glimmering lights as through cracks. But he prays that one day we'll see him face to face and see his full glory. That is what awaits us. In this unity of this community that is founded on who Jesus is, and that we are uh, bringing all sorts of people together, this church then, this community that Jesus forms, should be a taste of what waits us. That the church should be, fundamentally, a little foretaste of what heaven is like. That this unity points to the greater unity, the greater reality in which we're all headed if we believe in Jesus, that we'll be with him and it's a taste of what awaits us. I love how one commentator put it like this, that when people come into the church, they should be, it should be like opening a window to heaven. The people can begin to feel a breeze from far, a far-off country, and in their souls awakens a long dormant hope. They want to go to that place and be with those people who know, see, and feel something different, something beyond, something more. And that when we're unified as a church around the belief of who Jesus is, and when we're unified growing in his word, and when we're unified on the mission that he's called all Christians to be, then our church can become a taste of heaven when people walk in and they see something different and it's a taste of heaven and they want it and they crave to be like those people who are hoping, experiencing something beyond what this world has to offer. But Jesus gives unity to his community and there's power there. And there's power there as he ends the whole passage when he says that the, the love of the Father is made known in that community. In verse 24, uh, in verse 26, he says, I've made known your name and I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be, may be in them and I in them. That the, the Father's love is present in Jesus' community. That when we love like God loves, when we love because God loves, when we share the love we have experienced with God, that people know there's something different and they want it. So there's that unity in the community. There's power in unity, isn't there? We know that would be true. Imagine a unified team taking the field. Victory is within their grasp. Imagine a unified army marching across the battlefield. They're going to be the, the champion at the end of the day. Imagine a workforce unified behind a vision. They could change the industry in which they're working. A country 
which is unified, can change the course of history. A church that is unified can change people's lives forever as they're confronted with the reality of who Jesus is and they go from being a sinner, abandoned on their own, destined just for hell, but then can become, through Christ, a saint who's growing and has the eternal destiny with the Almighty God. Church unified can change lives, families, communities for the glory of God. Jesus gives unity to his community, which means we're called to be unified. That when we read this prayer of Jesus and we see how he's again and again praying for our unity to be following after him, how do we respond? We pray for the same things, and then we are unified together. That we need to be unified. We're unified in faith. That we believe the same things. That we believe that God is who he said he is. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that he's called us to a life that looks different than the world. We believe these things and we follow after him. That we're unified in faith. And then we're unified by love. That if the Father's love is supposed to characterize this new community that Jesus is praying for, that we love each other like God loves us, that we give each of ourselves to each other, that we serve each other, look after one another's benefits, and we are loving each other as we're called to do so. That we're unified by that love. And then finally, we're unified by that mission that every single one of us takes to heart, that we're called by God to share his glories with our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, our, our, our family, everyone we cross in this life, we're called to be on mission for God, to share who Christ is, reaching people for the glory of Jesus. Be unified, my family. Be unified, my friends. Let's be in staff with one another that we can be one family which unified in Christ, in God, and with one another as we seek to make Christ known in all of our lives. Jesus gives unity to his community. So let's be unified. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the unity that you give us. Thank you for bringing us together from all sorts of different walks of life. That you bring us together <clears throat> and make us one family.